Amen. Well, good morning. I invite you guys to turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you don't have a Bible, there'll be Bibles in the seat backs in front of you. We'll also have it up on the screen. Uh, this morning, kind of in between sermon series, uh, in next month and throughout the month of January, we're going to do a, a sermon series called Back to the Basics, where we're going to just rehash the, the beautiful basics of the gospel, all major points of the gospel message so that we can, one, so that we're all on the same page, uh, but also uh, is a wonderful opportunity to invite friends, to, to invite unchurched people, people who are asking questions and looking for answers. Uh, we want to pre- present you with the opportunity to invite them on a Sunday morning uh, throughout the month of January, especially at the turn of the year. There may be people who are thinking uh, more about kind of big life questions, uh, and so we want to give you an opportunity in January to to uh, kind of an extra special prompting to invite people in January to hear just the, the basics of the gospel uh, and the, what we believe, why we believe it, the good news of salvation in Jesus. So that, uh, because that starts in January, that kind of leaves us this week with a, uh, an extra sermon. And that's good for me because uh, one of the things that I love to do at the end of the year is to reflect on uh, the past and look forward to the future. And, and, and it'll what we'll have the opportunity to do this morning is kind of... Uh, open up scripture and see what God is calling us to be as individuals and as a church. Like, I don't know if you guys do New Year's resolutions, if you have things that you're looking to change in the new year or things that you're uh, looking to do differently, but, uh, but one thing that's helpful for us as a body of believers is to, to get into the word of God and to have God shape and mold us as individuals and as a church. That's why we spend time in his word every single Sunday. We want God to shape us and mold us. We want him to change our view of things. We want him to change our actions in our life. And so one of the things that we'll get to do this morning, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, is we'll get to see exactly who God is calling us to be as individuals and as a church. Here's a very uh, a, 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 a clear look at at least one aspect of who he's calling us to be in our own lives and as a church going into this next year and beyond. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, beginning in verse 16. It says this, from now on, therefore, We regard no one according to the flesh. For even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us the message of of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Let me pray for us. We'll get into it this morning. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that it does shape us and mold us, it forces us to think differently about things, God. It causes us to, to lift our eyes up to you, to just behold your beauty and your glory and your grace. God, I pray this morning that you would give us a very clear picture of who you are and who we are supposed to be in light of that. God, I pray that you would change our hearts, change our minds as needed, God, that you would shape and mold us as individuals and as a church into the image of Jesus. God, I pray that you would give us ears to hear what you're saying in your word this morning and hearts that are ready to apply it to our lives 
into our church, and it's in the wonderful holy name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. The, the, the key word that you hear over and over and over again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 is this word of reconciliation. The word reconciliation, to reconcile, means to, to get back onto friendly terms, right? To, to repair a relationship that had been damaged and to bring it back onto friendly terms. When I, when I think of reconciliation, one of the things I think about uh, is the 1980s, where <coughs> that was kind of the waning years of the, the Cold War, right? 1980s, still very real, though, still very intense. Uh, the Cold War between the United States and the Soviet Union, still uh, still very much uh, the, the looming threat of nuclear war. If you were in the 1980s, most of the movies seemed to have uh, Russian bad guys, right? Or you had movies like uh, Red Dawn uh, or the early 90s, you had The Hunt for Red October, right? You know, those kind of movies that, that, that are just centered around the whole theme of the Cold War. Uh, like that was still very real and big in, in, in the minds of Americans and the minds of, of, of the people in the Soviet Union. Uh, but it was, it was definitely some of the waning years. And in the 1980s, President Ronald Reagan met with a, a, a group of leaders from the world in one of the, the G5 summits. And uh, also part of that summit where it was uh, Mikhail Gorbachev, who was the leader of the Soviet Union at the time in the 1980s. And you can imagine bringing together all of the world leaders, with two of them being involved in an active Cold War, uh, can be a little tense at times. It can be uh, frustrating. It can have a lot of, like you could cut the tension with a knife at certain points, right? And you start talking about different conversations, just how much the United States hated Russia, how much Russia hated the United States, and the, 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 the building up of nuclear arsenals, and the looming threat of nuclear Armageddon constantly, and now you have the two leaders of those two countries together in a room. It can get really intense. Well, at this G5 summit, uh, President Reagan and uh, Gorbachev, they took a walk in a park in between uh, one of the sessions, just the two of them and their private translators. They left, uh, kind of left the room. They walked around this garden, and for a long time, nobody knew what they said. Nobody knew what they talked about in this uh, in this journey, and we still don't know a lot of what they talked about. But but Gorbachev later on, he 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 gave us a picture into at least one of the things that Ronald Reagan said to him. And this is one of my favorite things that that any uh, any world leader has ever said to another world leader. Picture again, threat of nuclear Armageddon, high tension two of the world's greatest superpowers, and the, the, the leaders are talking with each other, and, and Reagan leans over to Gorbachev, and he says, if the United States were attacked by aliens, you would put aside your differences, right, and help us? And they'd said, uh, Gorbachev said, yeah, we would. And Reagan said, us too. <laughs> and so, so there, and like in this high tension, he says, hey, at the same, you know, we're all humans, though, right? Like we just see and so for just a brief moment through that little bit of humor with Reagan, I, you, you can love Reagan, you can hate Reagan, whatever you think of his politics, he was a really funny guy. <laughs> I mean, I love Ronald Reagan's sense of humor. Um, but, uh, but through that little moment of humor, uh, what, what happened is the United States and Russia, these two leaders, were just momentarily, briefly reconciled, right? Like just the coming from two far chasms, and for, for just a moment, they laugh together. They acknowledge that they're on the same team if aliens were to attack. Uh, and, and so for just a brief moment, these two world leaders and these two major superpowers were, were reconciled with each other. That's a returning to kind of friendly relations, at least in this case, for just a moment. You and I, the Bible talks about our relationship with God as being far more strained and broken than the relationship between the United States and the Soviet Union. 
during the 1960s, 70s, and 80s, right? Our relationship with God, the Bible talks about being completely severed and broken because you and I have rebelled against him. We have failed to acknowledge his authority as king and Lord in our lives. We have failed to give him the glory and the honor and the praise that he's due. And so you and I have a broken, strained relationship with God, not because of him, not anything he did on his part, but because we have abandoned and rebelled and walked away from our relationship with him. We have a worse relationship with God than the U.S. and Soviet Union had. And our relationship with the creator of all things needs to be reconciled. But what we see in the Bible over and over and over again, this is something we see in the Old Testament, it kind of makes the point in the Old Testament that you and I can't do the reconciling. There's no amount of good deeds or kind of gifts we can give to God or religious checkboxes we can check off in order to make ourselves reconciled with God. He is the perfect, pure, holy, righteous God. We're never going to be able to work ourselves into a right relationship with him. But yet the the fact remains that we still need to be reconciled. And so praise be to God that we see in the word of God. We see that God has a plan to bring about reconciliation. God has a plan to make us new. God has a plan to redeem us and restore us and reconcile our relationship with him. And that plan is in Jesus Christ, his son. God sent his only son, Jesus, to die on a cross for us, to rise again from the grave so that we could be reconciled. When we think about what God is calling us to be as a church and what God is calling us to be as individuals, and what we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we see this. God wants us to be reconciled and reconciled, excuse me, God wants us to be a reconciled and a reconciling church. He wants us to be people who are reconciled to him. And he wants us to be people who are extending this reconciliation to the world. So there are two aspects to that that I want us to kind of dive into this morning. The first one is being reconciled. What does it look like for us as individuals? What does it look like for you in 2024 and beyond uh, and, and for us as a church to be reconciled people? What does that look like? Look with me in the second half of verse 20. I'm actually going to go kind of the end of the passage before coming back to the front. Second half of verse 20. Paul, who wrote 2 Corinthians, uh, is is calling out to the church in Corinth, and he says this, we implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. He is calling out to them and saying, guys, be reconciled, be people who have a right relationship with the creator. And notice what he says in 21, for our sake, he, God, made him Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that in Jesus we might become the righteousness of God. That is a very strangely worded verse, <laughs> right? It's a very complex, uh, complicated set of words. But what the idea there in, in verse 21, what that idea says is that God made it so that Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for us. So that you can, and I can be regarded and deemed as righteous in the eyes of God. Something we couldn't earn, something we couldn't do, something no amount of gifts and, and, and good deeds and religious checkboxes could ever earn. God gives us the right to be called his children. He gives us the right to be righteous and redeemed, and it's only through the death and resurrection of Jesus. Because Jesus was the perfect sacrifice for us, you and I can be righteous in the eyes of God. Not just that he kind of 
papers over our, our sin, not that he just kind of turns a blind eye to, to all the bad things we do and says, you know what, it's actually okay, you're, you're one of mine. You and I can be righteous in the eyes of God. Not because of our deeds, not because of what we can do, but because of Jesus as a sacrifice for our sin. The first calling for us to be reconciled is to be people who put our faith and hope and trust in Jesus. People who, who acknowledge the sacrifice that Christ made on the cross and his resurrection from the dead and put our faith and hope and trust in him and say, you, Jesus, are the Lord. You, Jesus, are King. You, Jesus, are the one who's able to provide me salvation. You, Jesus, are the one who's able to make me righteous in the eyes of God. And I need that, and so I will put my faith and hope and trust in you. To be reconciled is to be people who believe in the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And we put our faith and hope and trust in him. Paul is imploring the church, be reconciled. Have your relationship with God repaired. And you will hear religious leaders give, give that command over and over and over again of every religion. Be on good terms with God. Have your relationship with God repaired. And then they will follow that with a list of rules and regulations that say these are the things that you have to do to make God love you. But the Bible is very clear that we're not able to do that. The gospel is not be reconciled to God. Here's how you do it. The gospel is be reconciled to God. Jesus has already made the way. All you need to do is put your faith and hope in him. So before we can even go any further for you and for us as a church, the calling on our life is to be reconciled people, to be people who have placed our faith and hope in him and who have, been, uh, who have our, our relationship with God restored. And so if that's not true for you, then the rest of this sermon is not going to make much difference in your life. The rest of this sermon is not going to make much sense for you. Like the thing that Paul is calling us to do, the thing that God is imploring us to do, is to put our faith and hope in Jesus and therefore to be reconciled to him. You've never trusted in Christ as your Savior. This morning is the morning to do that. Put your faith and hope in Jesus and to be reconciled with him, to be on good terms. Uh, Billy Graham used the term to have peace with God. It's our calling this morning. But what does it look like to be people who are reconciled? What does that look like for us? Verse 16. Paul says, from now on, therefore we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore... If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. This is why we're able to be seen as righteous in the eyes of God. Because when you put your faith and hope in Jesus, it doesn't just mean that you get a, a ticket to heaven. It isn't just that you get your, your ticket stamped or the hole punched and you, you get in to heaven. It does, it's not your get out of hell free card. Like the, the, the rescue from sin and death is what we get in Jesus. We are made new in Jesus. His sacrifice on the cross and his resurrection from the grave is not just good enough to, to give us in, get us into heaven. It is good enough to make us brand new creations to completely rescue us from the power of sin and death and to make us righteous and new in the eyes of God. We are new creations. If you've put your faith and hope in Jesus, then you have been reconciled to God, which means that you are a brand new creation. You are not the same person that you were before you put your faith in him. You have been set free from sin and death. 
not enslaved to it. So you and I are new creations, and we are called by the word of God to be reconciled people, to be people who live out our reconciliation, to be people who live out uh, our lives as new creations, as redeemed, changed people. The, the call on our lives uh, away from sin in the New Testament is not that we avoid sin so that, so that God won't get mad at us. Again, verse 21, we are righteous in the eyes of God. The call on our life away from sin is just Paul telling us or, or John telling us or Peter telling us or whatever New Testament author telling us, hey, you are a new creation, live like it. You are redeemed and reconciled, live like it. You and I are new creations if we have placed our faith and hope in Jesus. We are reconciled people and the call in our life as individuals and the call in our life as a church is to interact with the world and with each other as reconciled people, as new creations. If we go out into the world and we look the exact same as the world and do everything the exact same way that the world does and buy into all of the, all of the hype and the ideas and the, and the hopes of the world, then what makes us any different than them? How can we say that we have hope in Jesus, that we are reconciled to God in him, that we are new creations in Christ if we go out into the world and look just like them? We are brand new creations if we have placed our faith and hope in Jesus. The call on our lives and the call on your life in 2024 and beyond is to live like it. Like when we as a body of believers love each other well, when we step in and meet each other's needs, we're doing that not because we're trying to win each other to Jesus, right? We're already, we're, like, this is within the body of Christ. We do that because we're reconciled people. We are new creations who want to meet each other's needs and want to love each other well. We do that because that's what's natural to us as new people. When we go out into the world and we, we do a really good job at our work with with, and we, we, we do hard work with excellence in our workplace. We do it not because we want to impress somebody or because we want the boss to check off and say, you're doing really great. Like, we do it because that's what new creations do. That's what redeemed, reconciled people do because we are sold out to the Lord. We are set free from sin and death and changed. And so we go out and we do great things. We go out and do really good work. We go out and we interact with the world, with the, the culture, with our creation we go out and we interact with the world as redeemed reconciled people the call in your life in 2024 and beyond as an individual is to go out wherever you go and to live differently than the world to live out your faith in christ to live like a new creation and that's our calling collectively as a body of believers we're going to go out into the community this year and beyond we're going to engage the world and engage the community as reconciled people. I mentioned this in the family meeting a few weeks ago, but uh, one of the things that we're going to do this year is we've acknowledged uh, one of the, the greatest kind of unmet needs in our community is a transportation need. There are people that need rides who, who don't have a vehicle or who can't get from place to place. Uh, and our area is very car dependent, uh, and no one is really meeting that need. And we, uh, with our size and our, our budget, we don't have the ability to meet 20 different community needs, right? But we can make a dent in one. 
And so one of the things that we're going to do this, this upcoming year is, is make a concerted effort to start to meet our community's transportation needs. And we're doing that not just because we want to see people come to know Jesus, not just because it's, uh, it, it'll be a good mark on us as a church. We're doing it because we're redeemed people, because we are reconciled people, because we are engaging the world as new creations who love the people around us, who care for the people around us, who desire for the people around us to know the love of God. And so we freely and happily and excitedly will meet their needs. My prayer and my hope is that as we go out into the community and as we meet the transportation needs and do all the other things we're going to do out in our community this year, as we do those things, my hope and prayer is that people come to know Christ. But at the end of the day, end of the day, if we go out and we meet the transportation needs of our community and we share the gospel faithfully and nobody comes to know Christ, at the end of the day, we're still being faithful to live as redeemed people in the world. Our calling is to live as reconciled people, new creations in the world around us. That's what we'll do as a church, and that's your calling as individuals. This addition, in addition to being reconciled, the calling on our life is also a calling of proclaiming reconciliation. This is the second part of that, proclaiming reconciliation, being a vessel for reconciliation in the world. Verse 18, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. What a, what a beautiful idea. I don't want to gloss over that. In Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against him. That is the beautiful gospel message. I don't want to too quickly glance over that, but... Uh, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. So one of the things that we do often is we will, we will take these verses, a lot of churches will take these verses, and we will raise them as banners saying that we are, uh, have been given the ministry of reconciliation as people, that we are ambassadors for Christ in the world. And that's, we actually have a couple more steps between the passage in that application, because in reality, uh, the we in the passage in 2 Corinthians is Paul referring to himself and the other apostles. You get throughout the book of 2 Corinthians, people are questioning Paul's authority to preach, Paul, uh, Paul's authority to, to lead the church, and so Paul has defended that, and, uh, and so the we, we know the we is not the church as a whole, because notice what he says in verse 20, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us, we implore you, the church, uh, on behalf of Christ, to be reconciled to God. So we is not the whole church. We is Paul and those people with him, the apostles. It, the same thing all the way through, verse 18. Uh, all this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us, Paul, uh, Paul and the apostles, the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, again, in verse uh, 19, and entrusting to us, Paul and the apostles, the message of reconciliation. So, so we have a couple steps. Again, we can't just take this and say, all right, we have the ministry of reconciliation. We have the ministry of, uh, uh, we, we are ambassadors for Christ. That's not uh, exactly a, a perfect correlation to what the passage is saying. What the passage is saying is that God has entrusted the apostles with the message of the gospel to proclaim and to, to lift up and to edify the church and the world with the message of the gospel. And you and I, 
have the written record of what the apostles have taught on the message of the gospel and the word of God. You and I have the good news of salvation in Jesus available to us from the apostles in the word of God. Uh, The entire New Testament was written by the apostles or people close to the apostles. So we have the witness of the apostles to the glorious good news of salvation in Jesus. And the calling on our lives is to take the word of God and to expose it, to proclaim it, and to share it with the world. That we are people who have been reconciled. And we have the good news of salvation in Jesus that enables the rest of the world to be reconciled. Why on earth would we hold on to it and and close it off from the rest of the world? We need to go share it. We need to be people that boldly proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus from the word of God. There are two kind of key applications of this idea for us as a body of believer in this coming year and beyond. The first one, and this is the one that's often missed when we take this passage and say we are ambassadors, we have the ministry of reconciliation. Uh, The first one is that the ministry of the word is deeply important to us as a church. That the proclamation, uh, this is why I preach, because the, because the power of my words is not my words, the power is from the word of God. Like the power is not in my ideas and my philosophies. You know, do you know the amount of times that I'm proven wrong? Like, like way more than I want to be, uh, like I, I want to admit. The power of my words is not the, the things that I proclaim and the opinions that I have and the ideas that I put forth. The power is the word of God. This is what can shape our hearts and lives. This is what can change us from the inside out. This is, this this has far more power than any words that I can proclaim. The word of God must be put forth uh, uh, from the pulpit. The word of God must go forth within our church as we talk with one another, as we share with one another, as we give advice to one another. It has to be rooted and grounded in the word of God. Because God has given us the message of, of reconciliation, a message that has hope and life for the world. And it isn't found in your philosophies or your opinions. It's found in the word of God. So we as a church, the ministry of the word is deeply important to us. That's why one of our values is apply the scriptures because we want to know the word of God. We want to apply it to our lives. So in 2024, uh, know the word of God, study the word of God, and discuss the word of God as a church. That is our calling that is deeply important for us going into this next year. And, and the, the second application is the one that we usually will take away, is that we don't just hoard the message of reconciliation. We proclaim it. We've got to translate it for the world and take it out into the community. I am not an art fan. Uh, I don't get it. I don't. I, I, let me explain it. I'm not a modern art fan. Uh, I think modern art makes no sense. It intentionally makes no sense. Like I get, I get that they're, they're making a statement by these, but, but putting a banana on a pedestal or a, on the wall, not art. You know, like I don't, it, the old paintings, you know, the, the Van Goghs, and like the, those are beautiful works of art. Modern art that looks like, you know, you made it in the paint app, uh, or, or like the old paint on Microsoft, like not art. Anyways, sorry, I don't, I don't mean to offend any of you. <laughs> You're like, I love modern art. Uh, but here's one of the reasons I don't like modern art. Modern art needs a translator, right? Like if I look at a, just a blank canvas that has four different colored triangles on it, that doesn't mean anything to me. 
right? That that is that that makes no sense to me. So what I need is a little plaque underneath it that says this means this, or or I need someone who knows modern art to come alongside me and say, hey, uh, through these four triangles, the artist is trying to express this. Like I need a translator to make sense of this. The world is not going to just intuitively understand the gospel. They're not just going to intuitively figure it out. They're not going to be walking along a trail one day and say, you know what? I think there's salvation in the Son of God, Jesus Christ. I think that's, that's true. You know, looking at trees and birds. Like, they need someone to translate and proclaim the message of reconciliation to them. That's our calling. To go out into the world and to proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus. To share with them this message of reconciliation. It can't just come from our life. Like, people can misinterpret things. It has to be verbal proclamation of the good news of salvation in Jesus. My uh, supervisor in seminary, he tells us a story uh, of a guy who, who was living as a redeemed, reconciled person in his workplace. Uh, he was doing really good work. He was loving people well and caring for people well. And, and he thought as long as he did that, that's really good evangelism. He wouldn't have to, he doesn't have to share the gospel with anyone. He can just live it out. And then eventually people would ask him, hey, you seem different. Could you tell me about what's different? Uh, and so he did that. He lived differently. He, he shared the gospel through his lifestyle, but never verbally. And he, he had a guy come up to him one time. He said, you know what? You seem different. And, 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 and the guy's like, oh, this is, this is it. I'm going to share the gospel. He's going to say, you seem different because of Jesus. Uh, and so he, he, he sees it, the opportunity. The guy says, you seem different. Are you Buddhist? And the, and the guy realized, all right, there's something fundamentally lacking in my evangelism, right? Just my lifestyle. It needs a translator. It needs an interpreter. It needs, some, it needs the verbal proclamation of salvation in Jesus. As you go out into the world as individuals and as we as a church go out into the world and we put on events and we do other things, we need to verbally, boldly proclaim the fact that there is salvation in Jesus and no one else. We need to boldly, verbally proclaim the fact that we are dying, dead people who need to be reconciled with God. And but God has graciously made a way for us to be reconciled with him. Like we need to share the good news of salvation in Jesus. We need to be conduits for reconciliation. Notice that Paul never says that we do the reconciling, that he does the reconciling. Jesus does the reconciling. And yet the world needs to know the reconciliation that is found in Jesus. And God has decided in his grace and in his goodness to empower us as believers to carry that message into the world. Will you this year and beyond, but talking about this year (laughs) will you this year boldly share the gospel with the people around you will you be reconciled people and live like reconciled people and extend that reconciliation to those around you we need to be a reconciled and a reconciling church if we will live that way and if we will proclaim those things then that's going to have a profound impact on our church and on our community Notice the impact it's going to have on your workplace as you do really good work and just live and love people well as a redeemed person and boldly share the good news of salvation in Jesus. 
Notice the effect it's going to have on our community as we meet their transportation needs, as we love them and care for them well, and boldly share the wonderful good news of salvation in Jesus. And notice the impact it's going to have on each other as we love each other well, as we care for each other well, as we meet each other's needs, and as we pour into each other with the ministry of the word. Notice the impact it's going to have on us this year. In just a second, I'm going to pray and we're going to sing. And while we sing, and you've never placed your faith in Jesus, if you've never been reconciled to God and had a restored relationship with him, this morning is the morning for you to do that. And I want to give you an opportunity to do that. So while we sing, I'm going to be standing right here. Gordy will be in the back. If you would like to place your faith and hope in Jesus for the very first time, or you just want to ask questions and have a conversation, or if you just want prayer for something else, I would love for you while we sing for you to come up to the front or to go in the back. We would love to talk with you, pray with you about what it means to follow Jesus. If you don't want to get up, that's okay. Grab me after the service. For anyone else, who has placed their faith in Jesus, what I want to encourage you to do is, is as we sing, take some time to reflect on whether or not you are living like a redeemed person, like you are living like a reconciled being. And I want you to take a moment to reflect on whether or not you are boldly proclaiming the good news of salvation in Jesus, that you, are, that you know the word and are sharing the word. So take a moment to reflect of whether or not this is actually happening in your life already and give your life over to God and say, God, I want this to be true for me in this upcoming year. I want to be a reconciled person, live like a reconciled person, and be someone who proclaims reconciliation. Let me pray for us. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word.